Welcome back to another Meathead Hippie Podcast. I am your host, Emily Schramm, nutritional therapy practitioner, personal trainer, coach, wellness entrepreneur, and I absolutely am so in love with being in Maui. So this is Meathead Hippie on Maui edition, and it might be for a while. If you don't know the new format, what we're doing with Meathead Hippie or what I'm doing with Meathead Hippie is always launching some sort of interview with some amazing person in Maui. So today... We have Zane, who I will do a whole intro on in just a second, but we also are launching the hippie part. So two podcasts always going live at once, one with an interview, one with a conversation, one with just good information to keep you inspired and to keep you learning and growing, right? I know things are hard. We feel stuck. It's cold, possibly where you are. And We need to be inspired by the things that we can be to keep our mind in a good place, to stay stable, to stay grounded, and to stay optimistic, to know that, you know, we're getting to better places and that we deserve to get to those places. And if I can bring any light at all to you to help you get to that place in an easier way, then that's exactly what this podcast is for. And there couldn't be anyone better to inspire you and get you stoked on life than Zane. So incredibly happy to have him on the podcast. And then on the other end, if you look at our second podcast we released, we are doing a new moon recording. So every month we have a new moon recording with my dear friend, shaman and astrologist, Jennifer Sheldon. And this is just a really great way to just bring in what we need to. That's what the new moon is all about. So take a look at the new moon and you will learn all the things that you need to, whether it's intention, whether it's affirmations, whether it's cleansing, releasing, you know, every new moon has something new for us to offer. And we're going to talk about it every new moon on Meathead Hippie. And then if you are looking for more podcasts or looking for more inspiration, we have tea times and M's process, which is a hashtag I started on Instagram when I launched my book, The Process, that just is the poet in me that really wants to get to the deepness of what we are and who we are and where we're going and demanding depth. You know, I demand depth from myself. I'm going to push the limits and what I can do, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally as well. And I hope you join that ride. So if you're looking for more in-depth podcasts, that's all included in our platform daily membership. I'll link it below. It's a beautiful membership that takes care of you physically with workouts, workout programming, customized for you, lots of beautiful supplement webinars and support, and most importantly, a community. So check out our new membership platform daily for more behind the scenes, not just physical and not just nutrition, but the woo, the deepness that I care about so much. So emilyshram.com slash platform daily. And then because it's happening this weekend, a final shout out to whaletales.org, W-H-A-L-E, whale, tales, T-A-L-E-S, Org. It is a two-day event. This is their event they put on every year. They've done it 14 years here at Ritz-Carlton in Kapalua in Maui. But since COVID, they turned it all online and virtual. And that is when I met them, which is so brilliant and beautiful because it's like this two-day online talk of TED Talk style conversations with marine biologists, scientists, photographers, and people passionate about the environment, the ocean, and most importantly, whales and whale research. And so we're raising money for whale research when it comes to whale song and whale communication and whale reproduction, but we're also just learning a ton of stuff. So you donate, you 
put in your ticket for a donation that goes straight to helping the environment in the whales. And then you get to learn, learn, learn. And one of the talks I'm most excited about is just understanding what's going on with orcas, how the orca population is actually declining and how they're reintroducing salmon to help increase that orca population because that is why the orca population is declining. And just understanding the importance of the choices we make being responsible for the food we're eating, and then also learning how to change the system so that we can make this type of food, this type of eating, and this type of awareness accessible. It's not accessible right now, and it has to be in order for us to change the blueprint of how our whole ecosystem works and so that we aren't the ones that get fed protein and orcas decline because of it. So I'm really, some beautiful talks. There's even a celloist, a, a artist who's going to play whale song, and it just brings your whole body into chills, you know, that vibration. That's what whales are, and that's why they're so important is because they're not here to speak. They're here to move, and what can they move in us so that we can all move forward with a better world. So I'm incredibly excited about this. Please join me February 13th and 14th. I'll be on the chats. I'll be learning right along with you. And since it's all online and recorded, you have access to it for 30 days. So if you can only come to a couple talks and then you have to go do some Valentine's Day things, that's okay too, because it'll be available for you to watch and learn and just be in this process of this, like I'm an active participant in this world, right? And I think kind of to my point of why I podcast, that's a huge important piece. We need to not be so passive. It feels like life is just happening to us. Things are happening for us and around us, and we don't have a lot of control, but that couldn't be more false. That narrative is false. And we have the opportunity to change that. And we do that by taking action and making sure that we are actively supporting the things that we care about. Because if we do that, it's going to support you. It's nurturing you at the same time. So whaletales, T-A-L-E-S dot org. I hope I see you there. And now let's introduce this amazing guest, Zane. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Zane Kakoa Schweitzer is a waterman, an author, a motivational speaker, and environmentalist. Learn from your past, live in your present, manifest your future. He is known as Zaniac. Definition, a person with an obsessive enthusiasm for pursuing dreams with conscious purpose and relentless gratitude. And his book, Beneath the Surface, digs into the behind the scenes stories of who he is as a person and the stories that have shaped who he is. He is an incredible athlete, someone that has not just won many titles in multiple types of sports on water, but he also is so conscious of the life that he lives and his connection with the water and his ability to bring that to the world, including putting plastics, the pocket full of plastics challenge that we will talk about, and also his enthusiasm for just teaching anyone who's looking to get into the water is so important for the environment that we know is delicate and in desperate need of our attention. So without further ado, here is Zane as we film next to the waves crashing on the beach in mid-surf lesson uh, as he takes me through some of these waves that are about one twentieth of the size of the waves that he had just surfed, maybe even less, we'll say one thirtieth of the size of what he surfed. (laughs) 
And his just enthusiasm is contagious. So I hope that it rubs off on you today. Here we go. Zane, welcome to Meathead Hippie Podcast. This is so great. I've seen so much of you on waves that make me want to cry. <laughs> they are the stuff you're doing is amazing. Um, I'm really stoked to talk about it. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit about your story as well. And you know, uh, as you know, with no pain, there's no gain. And in the training world, and for all the people who are into training out there listening, it's very similar. You don't throw yourself right into big waves, of course. Right. <laughs> we right. start here at Pohaku Park, where you're about to learn how to surf. Yes, yes. And I'm so, I feel like I have the best instructor in Maui, and maybe the world, actually. So I feel very lucky. I'm going to jump right into this quote, because this is something you just posted. You give life to what you give energy to. Spend your time and energy on the things, places, people you love. Because when things change inside you, they change around you. I thought that was so perfect and it couldn't be more relevant to even how I ended up in Maui. It's just the way you're living your life and if I can do anything but help spread the light that you are and what you're doing, I am all in because you're doing some pretty amazing stuff. Thanks so much, Emily. For you, dig into that a little bit. Let's just start with that, about the mentality that you have. Um, the sanity, as you say. <laughs> have you always been this fearless? Have you always been this kind of go, go, go? You grew up here. You grew up on the water. Has that come naturally to you? I wouldn't say I've always been fearless. You know, I think at the same time as I've always faced my fears, you know, and I'm consistently feeling those emotions that kind of make me feel on the edge and I think whether we're surfing big waves or lifting our heaviest weight and we're kind of nervous a little bit to walk up to it and we we have to push ourselves close to that edge in order to grow and um, so I, I truly believe that you know con to being too comfortable being too content is in many ways a bad thing we start to hinder our, our growth and so with big wave surfing, I really fell in love with it. I want to say I was like maybe 10 or 12 years old at uh, Honolulu Bay, one of our, my local spots here on West Maui. And there's some big winter swell and I snuck into my brother's truck and my parents didn't want me to go with them, but I, I snuck in and when, right when they opened the hatchback of their Toyota 4Runner, I jumped out and ran down the hill and it was, you know, way bigger than I probably should have been out there, and, but they had no choice to keep an eye on me, you know? And right. They ended up, uh, you know, pushing me into uh, a few big waves, my biggest waves I had at that time, and I remember feeling this rush, but also this commitment, because I already did something wrong to get there, right? I was right. like, there's no turning back now, right? I gotta, gotta hang with the big boys now. Yeah. And I just, ever since then, it was like a pivotal moment in my life mm -hmm. where I just, always wanted to be riding the biggest place on, on the on the island or the biggest peak of the bay and always hanging with the older guys that have that sense of camaraderie with this big wave surfing community it's, it's a different type of of athlete you know the people who are you know interested in in, in riding bigger waves and 
in many ways, it relates to, you know, keeping an eye on one another. It's a lot mm. more of a, of a team sport. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's probably the most soulful individual sport you could do. Mm. So when you were committed to this wave, <laughs> do you remember the feelings of fear? Because so many people, you know, surfing is a metaphor for so much. And you know this and you live it and you breathe it every single day. For somebody who's maybe never surfed or experienced water sports and is still in that kind of sense of, I want to commit to something, this thing is huge. It's probably bigger than I am. How do you go through that process of fear where it doesn't paralyze you and you just go for it? Do you remember that actual moment when, when I was you younger? Were, when you were in that first big wave, that transitional yeah. wave? I remember paddling for it and thinking, almost ready to hesitate and pull back. And right at that moment where I kind of was ready to sit back down on my board and let the wave pass, because it was intimidating me looking back at it. I mean, I think it was like my brother, Matty Schweitzer, or, or, or one of his best friends, Kevin Sullivan. Right when I was about to hesitate, they just pushed me from behind oh. <laughs> and, and gave me that extra boost of momentum to get into the wave. Wow. And um, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty cool sensation, but also... I felt accepted, you know, into my brother's, you know, my brother's five years older than me. I've always looked up to him. He's like my hero. And um, all of his friends, it goes the same, you know. They were all real talented. At that time, they were the best juniors in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, my brother was a regional champion surfing. And, you know, all of his best friends that I looked up to were guys like Granger Larson and Kevin Sullivan and Ian Walsh and Albie Laird and Matt Miola, all these guys that were, like, leading charge for you know, his generation and, and still through, through the next. I love that someone literally pushed you because that's what you're going to do today for me. <laughs> you're pushing me into this because water isn't my comfort zone, but that's why I'm in Maui. It's so fun to understand um, the surrender that's needed in my own life and how the water is teaching me that every single day I'm here in a, in a really powerful physical way. So I'm stoked. And it's just true. We all need a push, right? We all oh, need a always. push. We'll all need encouragement. <laughs> and you are doing that majorly for so many different parts that we're going to get into uh, later in this podcast. So what did your parents say after that? Um, oh, shit, he's hooked. <laughs> I think they were like kind of just probably pretty, I think they eventually knew. I was always known like the crazy kid in the family for sure. So I think eventually they knew I'd be chasing Maddie and all the, the <laughs> bigger kids. So what's your sign? Can I just ask your sign? Your zodiac? Um, I am a Virgo. Okay. Virgo. And what's your rising? Do you know your rising? Uh, I'm not sure. It's September 15th. Okay, we'll look birthday. it up. It's some sort yeah. of fire sign if you're one of those adrenaline <laughs> junkies. We'll I wouldn't look. necessarily call it an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, what would yeah. be the way to say it? Cause I, well, you know, I think at one point in my life I was attracted to that demographic but then I realized those aren't the people I like to hang out with mm -hmm. you know and the guys that I like to hang out with and still to this day I'm, I'm hanging with like guys my dad's age a lot of the time and the difference between them and an adrenaline junkie is it's a uh, you know a lifetime of experience accumulated for longevity in a, mm -hmm. a certain sport and demographic or a range of demographics you know the guys that I've always looked up to are the guys who are multifaceted in the ocean. My, my ultimate hero is Duke Kahanamoku. You know, he's a 
He was a five-time Olympic medalist for swimming, native Hawaiian, the first to be in the Olympics. And, and um, he brought surfing all over the world with those Olympic travels and those opportunities on the side, explored the surf on his travels and shared the sport. And um, he was multifaceted in so many ways, you know, not only as an innovator in surfing, bringing surfing for the first time to a lot of corners of the world but he was also an actor a professional volleyball player a professional um, baseball player <laughs> and uh, so as a kid I was always fascinated by you know him and, and the way our community and guys like these Hawaiian watermen embrace not only this lifestyle but our, our culture and our our um, appreciation for this the Aina and the Kai around us you know it's we have such a unique opportunity each day surrounding us whether it be in the mountains or out in the ocean and um, it's amazing to me you know you see kids still to this day that are, are bored on the island but it's because they didn't have that chance to be surrounded by these people and I'm just really grateful that I had an opportunity to to hang out with my brother's friends who are older and my, my dad's friends and my mom's friends. And, you know, my dad's an 18-time world champion windsurfer and my mom's a two-time uh, national champion windsurfer. And so they lived the lifestyle before me and I'm following in their footsteps and just trying to push new boundaries and, and push myself, you know, and... Uh, in many ways, I'm pretty ADD and, you know, yeah, I love to feel those rush of emotions, but at the same time, I'm in this for the long, the long run, you know, I want to be in the ocean paddling and diving and, and windsurfing till, till I drop. <laughs> and so I guess the difference, long story short, adrenaline junkies may not consider the the consequences as as much but you know i'm 27 years old now um i've already you know met death uh, for sure once you know um and after that i promised myself that i'm here for a reason you know and and that i'd with my you know, passions and, and goals and endeavors. I have to continue to uplift the people around me and, and share those unique opportunities I had as a kid. And so um, that that's kind of my driving purpose to continue, you know, getting home safe to my family and to be there for our next generation of kids. And so, um, yeah, it really is not, you can't every day be evil Knievel on Maui anyway. I mean, yeah, well, you can if you want, but you don't have 50-foot waves every day, and you don't have, you know, that crazy wind to throw double front flips on a windsurfer every day. But I tell you what, if you know how to surf, and you know how to windsurf, and you know how to hydrofoil, and you know how to fish, and cliff jump, and rock climb, there's no excuse to be bored on Maui, and there's just an unlimited amount of cross-training, mentorship, unique communities and networks. Um, yeah, 
Uh, even today, teaching you how to surf, I feel like I'm getting my cross training in. Uh, well, I love it too because um, windsurfing has drawn me for a while because I love water, but I love this idea of wind. So in my astrology, which is like this new topic I'm exploring, there's no air in my chart which means I'm so attracted to it in this physical life. Like wind for me feels like home and I never have learned how to explain it except I know I'm supposed to windsurf. And I listened to your interview and your grandparents created windsurfing. Yeah. (laughs) It's so amazing. (laughs) Um, Tell me about your grandparents and your parents. How do do you know the story? I mean, how did they get here and what drew them to Maui? Yeah, it's a really unique story. Um, so my grandfather grew up in California, so did my grandmother, and like Malibu, Pacific Palisades area, and they were sailors and surfers and body surfers, and my grandfather fell in love with, uh, of course, sailing and windsurfing as a, a college kid. He had a unique crew of friends that he surfed with, you know, um, he was close with guys like Mickey, uh, Mickey Dory, Mickey Dora. Why am I spacing his name? Uh, but yeah, he's a classic, Mickey Dora, and his other close friends that revolutionized the world of water sports were guys like Tom Moray and Hobie Alter and Grubby Clark, and this 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 generation and this small circle of of uh, passionate ocean athletes in California really revolutionized the world of ocean sports as we know it, you know. Uh, My grandfather and grandmother as well, you know, my grandfather invented the universal joint and was the first person to, you know, commit to creating this this sport. And my grandmother sewed the first sails and my auntie and uncle and dad were, you know, gripping the booms and, and doing what they could to help. And by the time it was actually something that, was a functioning sport the whole family continued to teach it all over the world and so it wasn't even something that they just my grandfather just invented like they really treated it as their child and and nourished the sport Uh, they would send my dad to Europe and my auntie to east coast America my uncle to the west coast and they would all be teaching clinics in separate corners of the world sharing this this sport and uh I think in many ways, I feel like I'm kind of doing the same thing with these new sports I get to experience. Yeah. You know, um, when I was early on just starting to travel as a professional athlete, it was for windsurfing, of course. And right along that time when I was about, I want to say 15 years old, just hit, you know, starting to have a lot of good achievements windsurfing stand-up paddling was just on the rise the sport of stand-up paddling and the company I was riding for at the time was like the first people to make production sup boards and so I started bringing these stand-up paddle boards to the windsurf events and teaching clinics and and sharing that sport and it was like once again like following my dad and family's footsteps like not only taking part in the sport but you know taking time to share it and and to to spread it, you know, and to be able to enlighten people with the, the the unique opportunity to not have to wait for the wind, you know. You could go and paddle around before the waves and the wind show up and still get your exercise in and connect with nature. Mm. And, you know, at, 
put your dog on the board, bring your family, whatever. And then by the time the waves and the wind come, you're ready for action. <laughs> <laughs> you're warm, warmed up. <laughs> well, I appreciate it so much because you can tell how centered and grounded you are, but also as you're charging some of these massive, I I'm going to link all these pictures because this is just insanity to me. You're, you're always looking back with your hand open, you know, and leading people that way. And that's something that I know is so important to you and is part of your light and your bright because it's just, it's just really cool. It's so Maui. It's so how Maui has treated me this whole trip and why I'm going to be here for, a, I think, a while. <laughs> um, so we're going to go take a little surf lesson here. Before we do, can you inspire me with this? Uh, let's tell everyone about Jaws. And yeah. I didn't know about Jaws at all. I mean, that's how new I am. So I get a place in Haiku, and out my window I hear this massive wave. Ah. This wave is apparently Jaws. So I drive down. We get it. We actually got picked up because our car wasn't going to do it. So we got on the back of a pickup truck. We drive down to the the wave that we're seeing. And they're, probably you, <laughs> shredding this colossal wave. How, this just happened. This yeah. is just recently. Can you tell me about maybe like the pre-experience? Because when you're in it, you're just one with the water. How do you mentally, it's probably your daily practice every morning, but what does it look like when you know you're about to face something that's 70 feet, something in, you know, yeah. Um, this big? What What is your <laughs> approach for that day that you know you're about to hit that wave? It's a daily thing. Mm. You know, you have to be prepared for that moment of opportunity. And, you know, I re I've read once, you know, success is when preparation meets opportunity. And so there's some really good forecasting websites out there. But for the most <laughs> part, you know, we don't know when the swell is gonna be coming until a week or two weeks out, you know? And so we have that little bit of time to prepare, but you're not gonna be ready to surf 70 foot waves in two weeks. <laughs> you know, you, you have to be able to take the time to, you know, not only physically, but mentally prepare yourself for, uh, for that. And I like to call it hazard assessment and panic, uh, panic control really you know you really have to be able to look at it and avoid all those emotions that are telling you to fight flight and just laugh and just do anything else but and that's something I've always done naturally is like instead of getting like my balls sucked up to my stomach and <laughs> hyperventilating when a huge wave's about to crash on me. I'll look over at my friends who are having that same thing happen to them and I'll be like, Woo! Yeah, boys! Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> just get it, you know? Fill your head with excitement or something else. And, right. um, but the best thing to do is to not panic, not hyperventilate, to not do that thing your body wants to automatically resort to and it takes muscle memory to prevent that and so I, I try and push myself to the point of uncomfort each day and and laugh it off mm. you know so that anytime I'm faced with pain mm. anytime I'm faced with uncomfort mentally or, or stress I resort to a good attitude about it and and, and gratitude for it and knowing that it's going to be okay if I just let go and mm. surrender to 
you're not going to fight it. You're not going to win. You got to surrender. And that's one of the biggest opportunities for the ocean that you're going to learn very soon, even in waves like this. With this unseen element being the current, the wind, we can see the waves, but everything's pushing or pulling us, dragging or, or assisting us. We want to always be in flow and know when to fight and when to surrender. Mm. And, um, you know, going out to Peahi is a real close thing to heart for me because my dad used to do it when I was a young kid. And I'd be watching him at, you know, 3, 4 in the morning, getting the jet skis ready with Uncle Laird Hamilton and Dave Kalama and <laughs> Rush Randall and Brett Lickle and Mike Waltz, all these guys that were like heroes to me, you know, and, and today are literally like yeah. the world's most renowned watermen and, and we give, career we're able to ride these giants with credit to them. Like we're doing it today with safety crews, with inflation vests. They didn't even have wetsuits. Let it, like they were being pulled in by rubber dinghies. Like it, the stuff they did just to see what was possible. Wow. And I strive for that too, you know, because yes, we have a lot more experience uh, putting ourselves in sit these situations with the confidence of our safety teams, with the confidence of our inflation vests. But at the same time, we have to explore these new boundaries. And to me, Every time I go out and surf Jaws, I'm pushed to that edge. Mm -hmm. I'm pushed to that point of uncomfort. Or I, I feel that I could, you know, um, better, more efficiently navigate my session. Yeah. And January 16th, what you experienced here will forever go down in history to big wave surfers around the world is one of the biggest days ever in history in Hawaii. And, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to be alive for it not only to witness it in person and to see it, let alone be there, a part of the action, but I'm grateful that I'm here at the, like, every year is gonna be my peak for the next 10 years, but I'm feeling pretty <laughs> yes. peaked right now. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I was there, ready for that, and home for it, and even with COVID, I don't wanna say I'm grateful for it, but everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for COVID, I'd probably be in Europe right now at the boat trade show in Dusseldorf, missing that swell. Wow. And so, um, with COVID, I, I had I got was able to shift focus and you know go from spending eight to ten months on the road competing in the surf, windsurf, and stand-up paddle world tour to focusing 100% on our community, on the sports I love to do on the water, and, and hanging with the fam. You know, it's. And, of course, staying healthy, keeping germs out. Right, but wearing the mask. Not rubbing it in. <laughs> but I'm, what I'm trying to say is you take a negative and you make it a positive. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a 50-foot wave coming on your head or whether it's a virus coming to your community. Yeah. You know, you have to be prepared. You have to take your precautions and you have to navigate it efficiently. And how lucky am I? I just feel floored. Like, on January 16th was my first day in my official little place in Haiku. Yeah. Just it's so amazing. You that probably I got heard to the be. dishes rattling on the cabinet. I mean. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Well, I love what you said about turning fear into joy. And I keep always hearing myself if I feel my that spiral that sometimes we get trapped in, pessimism into delight. Yep. What can we do yep. that brings yep. us that light to delight? And I think. Oh, I love that. I think that we're about to go do it. You ready to go surf? Let's do this. Woo! Okay, okay let's do out. it. It is. <laughs> Quick intermission. 
as Zane is taking me surfing. I just have to share this part. First off, an incredible teacher, an incredible human. I somehow need to get Zane his own podcast so that he could do conversations on water. So if anyone here knows how to do audio waterproof, (laughs) Zane, that's your podcast. You have to get these conversations recorded. There's just so much magic, but maybe that's why it's magic because there's nothing out there except you and a board, as I call my flotation device. Uh, As we are surfing, I mean, first off, at some point we'll get footage, right? So envision me truly just learning and having the most fun learning. But the part that I just couldn't not share with you guys is how ridiculously fast Zane is at paddling. I train hard. I know how to train. I got a strong back. I got strong arms. I'm a meathead. That's what being a meathead is. But there is nothing that I have found that is harder than paddling against wind and against these waves when you're not used to it. I can't replicate it in the gym. It just is something that you have to do on a surfboard. It's a Superman chest up, paddle, 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 lats, etc. But oh my gosh, I will do one, two, three paddles and then Zane is in front of me. At one point, there was like, the same amount of paddle I was doing was putting him 400 meters in front of me. It was just insanity. It was, he was so ridiculous. I mean, obviously this is what he does. And I was obviously trying to keep up because that's what I do, but it was amazing to see how radically in shape these, these humans are, these surfers are in ways that you know, you think you're in shape until you're doing it. So at one point, Zane was like, all right, come on. So he hooked his feet onto the top of my surfboard and we made like a choo-choo train (laughs) so that I would be able to get to the places I need to get to faster because I was definitely not going fast enough. So shout out to Zane. Imagine waves, excitement, et cetera, et cetera. We're getting out of the water and now back to Zane. Zane, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, you killed it, Emily. You did awesome. Uh, I love surfing and there's so much to learn. You talked about how it's like a whole different language, learning the water. It's so true. There's so much to learn. <laughs> yeah. You do you always learn when you're out there, just something new every time. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Whether it's one foot or a hundred foot, I think always taking something away from from my time on the water and you know teaching like I mentioned to you briefly is to me a, a just another way to drill in those those techniques and these these practices into deep into our core into our brain and and so uh, I don't get bored teaching yeah. you know I, I love to be able to share what brings so much joy to my life and and to see you finish a ride, looking back at me, throwing shakas and smiling and hooting and hollering, you know, that's, uh, it, it makes me super charged up, you know, because with every, with every new surfer into the water feeling passionate about the ocean, I know we've also got another ocean guardian and one to, you know, be responsible for our daily choices and actions you know, uh, around this, this natural environment that brings us these waves. <laughs> oh my God, and the gratitude for it. And I want to talk about how that's something that you also bring awareness to is these microplastics. And as we were kind of coming off the water onto the beach, this beautiful turtle, 
that, you know, we just both love turtles. I mean, who doesn't? They're just so magical. But right next to these turtles, so much man-made material mm -hmm. that's affecting their life and affecting our environment. Um, talk to me about the hashtag, the pocket of plastic. Pocket of plastic challenge, yeah. Yeah, so how did that happen and um, how can everyone be a part? I believe we started the pocket of plastic hashtag in 2014 or 2016. And um, it kind of came about when my friend Michael and Michael Stewart and I were in Bali doing a, uh, a testing shoot, testing trip uh, for our board sponsor and as well a photo shoot. And man, in Bali, it was like just, I don't want to say disgusting, but just littered with so much trash on these beaches, in the water, through the streets, in the rivers, everywhere. And... You know, um, there's a lot of surfers that come to Bali every day. There's a lot of local surfers in Bali. A lot of fishermen, a lot of ocean goers in general. And it's like they just walk right by it. Not even a second hand. It's not even a thing anymore. It's wow. just normal. It's just a part of their environment now. Wow. And to me, it's a shame. Because I grew up in a place where not only do we take responsibility for what's not ours we are always leaving it cleaner than when we came to it yeah. and if we see someone disrespecting or littering we bring it to their attention immediately mm -hmm. that that's not pono that that's not right and going to a place like bali where it's just so embedded into their culture to litter wow. to not be aware of of this issue we started talking to each other like man what if every surfer just filled up their pocket with plastic like these beaches would be so much cleaner yeah like look at all these surfers every day coming in from all over the world to bali like if everyone just did that tourists would see them and they'd want to be like the cool hot surfer girls and surfer boys <laughs> and they'd want to follow suit yeah and so we like okay well it's on pocket of plastic challenge at that time the als ice bucket challenge was a thing oh yeah yeah, yeah. and um ultimate waste of water during a time when we're trying to conserve resources and so I thought well here's a positive spin-off to ALS right a lot of good things happened from that but oh the amount of the the hundreds of thousands of gallons of water that we could have been watering you know a yard as opposed to just dumping ice over a parking lot you know challenge your friends to take on a pocket of plastic challenge and it kind of caught a lot of traction, you know, and uh, it still is continuing to be a topic and, and something that I do personally each session, each day. But, um, you know, I get friends from all over the world putting on social media, tagging me and two other friends. Look what I got today here in Norwal uh, Cornwall, England, you know, <laughs> or look what we got here in Vancouver Island. And, uh, and then they're challenging other people to do the same, whether they're out for a surf, out for a paddleboard or hiking in the forest. Yeah. You know, we could all put our pocket to, pla to, to use. And um, the next thing to that that's got me really excited about is using this as a resource right and so 
I started collecting a lot of plastic. I mean, it's in my laundry machine. It's in my house. It's on my carpet, on my door. Uh, I'm, I mean, on my car here. I mean, it, it's, it started to just collect all this damn plastic. And I, I didn't want to just throw it in the trash. Yeah. I wanted it to continue telling a story. And so my wife and I started to be inspired by some other people we work with, like uh, Five Gyres and Surfrider Foundation and Parlay for the Oceans. And we started to be inspired to use these findings as as our main uh, our, our main art supply oh, you know and so we yeah. would get these canvases from leaves or pond fronds or bark and then uh, super glue or glue or or somehow you know get an oil-based paint and then just put the plastic pieces on top of it and make these really cool pieces of art with that are three-dimensional with colorful microplastics and uh, we started giving them away as, as gifts to our, our students at our surf school. We, we give them away as gifts to friends for their birthday. And then my wife uh, took it a step further and started uh, doing biodegradable resin and dropping uh, uh, ghost nets that we find and plastics and sand and all these things into stuff that she's making. She's making things like coasters and and uh, yeah. ashtrays and uh, earrings and all these really cool things that just tell a story, you know. Yeah. You, and and so that uh, that makes us excited to continue, you know picking up plastic is as you know it's I do get excited you know some people get excited about picking up seashells for me I'd rather leave the seashells on the beach I'd like to see more people picking up microplastics yeah because yeah. that's what should be taken away right uh, yeah I was just telling you I think this idea of like operation seagull like if everyone brought a bag or there was a bag that was made from microplastics. Yeah. <laughs> and then you went to the beach and carried out something. I mean, it's just so true. It's just so perfect that you're doing that because we have to be doing something. We mm -hmm. have to actively, proactively be pursuing what you said, leaving it better than we found it. Mm -hmm. And it's not in good shape right now. It's just so not. Yeah. Uh, well, you just gave me your amazing book, Beneath the Surface. And you were telling me on the water while we were surfing a little bit about the inspiration behind it. Will you, will you share a little more about um, kind of this journal slash bringing yourself back through your own journaling and how writing is so mm -hmm. important to you and really how that inspired this book? Yeah, well, journaling has always been a huge part of my life. I mean, it's been a foundation and a pillar for, for me to stay grounded through times that I've been challenged with, uh, you know, ego and as well in a world with a lot of ego, you know, being a professional athlete is a selfish thing. Um, and journaling has helped me to keep a balance with what I want, but also with where my energy is being put into mm -hmm. and what the driving purpose is behind all this time and effort I put into my passions you know and it allows me to feel confident that even though I'm I'm following and pursuing my goals through sport and trying to you know and I'm having fun man I tell you well I work my ass off but I have a lot of fun and there's a bit there when I started to feel pretty guilty about my lifestyle I mean 
I've been traveling the world since I was 12 years old on the world tour for windsurfing. At a certain point there, I was juggling the windsurf, sup race, and surf tour. Over 25, 30 events a year, traveling 8 to 10 months away from home. And it was uh, getting to a certain point where, like, man, I was getting caught up in the in the thick of it. Like, man, balling off someone else's budget, being a young teenager, partying all over the world. And... I, I mentioned this briefly, but like I was uh, struck with an accident. I fell off a cliff. I was dead. No pulse, no breath. My brother resuscitated me with CPR, and it was from a, a series of choices that were irresponsible from a victory. And, you know, after that, you know, I, you'll learn more about it in the book, but, you know, after that, I, I realized I, I really need to focus my energy differently and really not take for granted my fortunate position mm. and um, I truly believe the message I came back from death with was to uplift my community and environment along the pursuit of my dreams and goals and so um, journaling is like my everyday practice to make sure I'm on track to make sure I'm on path to make sure I'm skipping to the next appropriate stepping stone and um, Every single day I journal, usually twice a day, in the morning and in the evening. And it's, uh, you know, my grandma told me when I was first starting to travel, my grandma Diane, my other grandmother, um, the, the wife of Hoyle Schweitzer, the inventor of windsurfing, she traveled a lot as, uh, you know, through the invention of windsurfing. And she told me, Zane, when you get older, it's gonna be hard to recall your experiences with the world and its people. Mm -hmm. So write down your experiences and they'll never be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And she gave me a book, a journal titled Devotion with all these cool quotes. Mm -hmm. And I cherished that journal. And I was so sad when it was over. Like I got to those last pages. Yeah. And I was like, no, this I want this journal to go on forever. <laughs> but I kept it and I continued until I have a bookshelf of journals and when my grandmother Carolyn got sick uh, we we actually um, as a last project together decided to um, circle exciting stories that were in my journal and try and put together this book <laughs> and that's how it came about it's a major reflection <laughs> of you know my my experiences as a young professional athlete the lessons I've learned through my travels and training and competitions near-death experiences adventures but also how I've been able to find myself uh, through the lessons you know in our community and culture in Hawaii but as well through the the values that have been instilled on me and our family and um, I'm really happy to share it with you because I, I could tell we've already vibed quite a bit on the water I think you'll en enjoy some of the stories in there and totally <laughs> I love this learn from your past live in the present manifest your future and that's what we're doing oh yeah we're doing it every single day Zane you're such a light I am so glad to share your story and share the work that you're doing because every day you're living it and all of us need that we need way more living and less worrying less stress less anxiety just saying yes um 
So thank you for being a guest. This was such an epic day. Yeah, right on, Emily. I'm looking forward to do some more surfing and windsurfing with you. Windsurfing's next. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if, if anybody listening wants to learn more about uh, Beneath the Surface or, or follow um, our action, you could check out my Instagram, Zaniac1, my YouTube, Zane Schweitzer, and would love to share a copy of Beneath the Surface with you guys if you reach out to me on any of my social media channels. But it's also available on Amazon. And um, man, I'm so excited to listen to more of your podcasts. Well, I'm going to get and you <laughs> to do a podcast. You absolutely have to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, might be the, the, you might be the one to inspire me to do it. <laughs> We're doing it. I'm so excited. Thank you again, Zane. This has been such a great day. All right. Aloha, everyone. Thanks, Emily.